Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Dave, you and I sat and watched at Yankee Stadium there, and it's hard to describe when you say it's different in the postseason at Yankee Stadium. You almost have to feel it. The fans come, and they feel like they've got a role in it. I mean, they feel like they're, they're a part of this, and I guess they are to an extent. And, I mean, the national anthem and the people that are down on the field, uh, it's different than anywhere else I know in baseball. But when you see that, what kind of ideas do you get uh, I kept thinking about that. I don't know if you can replicate it or not. I, I don't know that you can sing God Bless America in any other city but New York and, and have it resonate like that. But as you watched, did anything strike you that, that, that you go, boy, that would be kind of a neat thing to try to incorporate here? Yeah, good or bad. I've, I've seen a lot of postseason games at Yankee Stadium yeah. over the years. Um, you know, I, I would say it, it is unique, Mike. It's certainly unique in our sport. Um, I, I think it's – you know, it's a raucous environment. I think more than anything, though, from their fans, it's a mindset that when their fans go to that game, um, they know that it's going to be a three- to four-hour, yep. um, you know, uh, exercise. And yep, settle in. Yep. you get to two strikes, the people are on their feet. And um, I was really proud of the way our fans, frankly, brought it on Monday night. I, I thought we... We frankly uh, had had surpassed even where we were in 2010 in terms of our home games at Target Field, and whereas I don't think we can replicate the the audio levels of the Metrodome, I think Target Field was pretty raucous in its own right early on 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 Monday night. So thanks to our fans for doing that. Any new plans for Target Field? Said there's always plans to make that ballpark better. Um, You know, nothing officially announced yet, but. I think we'll, we'll be focused a lot on technology. Uh, we're looking at our Wi-Fi network and uh, want to find ways to make that better. Um, we're going to look at fan netting. Uh, I expect you'll see more netting at Target Field next year. Uh, we're contemplating some things on the main concourse relative to maybe revising some concessions, operations. And then I'd also say our suite level is probably due for some level of a makeover. So all those things uh, are, are focused. We're also looking longer term at scoreboards and all of the video screens you see throughout the building are now more than a decade old and will need to be replaced in the next couple of years. Man, that's hard to believe. Dave, a procedural question. It's that time of year when uh, there are like eight managerial open, openings. There'll be other front office openings. Everyone looks at everybody else's team. What is the procedure? Say somebody wants to talk to a Derek Shelton or somebody else on uh, uh, Thad Levine, somebody else on your staff. Do they need to come to you for permission or how does that work? Yeah, there, you know, obviously I think there's some always back-channeling that's done and conversations that take place with, with from organization to an organization. But if they want to actually have a formal conversation or a conversation, I guess, to some extent, with anybody who's currently under contract, uh, they have an obligation to come to the organization that that individual works for and seek permission. And then there's a, there's a process that we all follow through Major League Baseball that governs that, Dave, and, 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 and documents it and provides a very uh, prescribed period of time where they have the ability to talk to that individual. There's always extensions granted and things of that nature. But there is a process that we follow. We followed it when we uh, hired Derek Falvey from the Indians and 
other people follow it all the time, whether it be managerial searches, coaching searches, things of that nature. And Shelton means something. You know, I, I really think that, and I wish him the best if he gets a managerial post, but but Rocco and he together, I mean, that was really beneficial to, to Rocco this year to have somebody that knew the landscape and could sit with him during games. It, it felt like they had a real good conversation piece and uh, uh, a real good dialogue going throughout the season, Dave. Yeah, Derek Shelton is a really special individual. I, I think if you ask Paul Molitor, I think he'd tell you that Derek Shelton was incredibly helpful to Paul just the way he is to Rocco. Um, these guys, Rocco and Derek, have a really, really close relationship. They trust each other. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that Sheltie's going to be a manager of the big leagues. Um, you know, Obviously, we'd hate to lose him, but I'd be very happy for him to get that shot. I know he wants it. I expect him to interview in a couple places here over the next week or two. Um, if he does happen to come back, though, that'll be good news for the Twins because he's a difference maker, not in the, just in the dugout during games, but with all the preparation that goes into a season, whether it be spring training or uh, setting up uh, your players, uh, he's a piece for our club. But arbitration, when do you start doing that? Uh, I said that process will, will start in earnest here in about a month in terms of Major League Baseball and the clubs getting together and talking a little bit about where we're going to target some things. Obviously, we have a number of players that are going to go through that process. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, we accept that. We understand there's going to be guys that earned uh, pretty significant bumps in their pay and good for them. So the good news is, is when everybody talks to arbitration, they hear players associated with it. You don't need to worry fans. Those players are going to be with us next year. We're just going to set a number of what that they're going to be paid. So, um, uh, but we're going to have a number of guys as well, other clubs. Dave, uh, off-season uh, injury repairs, surgeries, this is about the time of year you find somebody's going to have something tweaked. You didn't even know there was a problem. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, we talked about that earlier this week. I think that with our club, you know, I think everybody kind of knows kind of where we're at. I know C.J. Crone is seeking another opinion on his thumb. I know that's the one that, that that's still kind of lurking out there. I don't know that a decision has been made whether there's anything additional that's required there. But but Byron Buxton is, is in the midst of his rehab at this point. Obviously, Max Kepler... Um, Marwin Gonzalez, some of the other guys that were banged up at the end of the year, I think the normal rest uh, is expected to bring them back uh, to where they need to be. Um, you know, we've talked about Sam Dyson in the past, and everybody knows he's in a rehab protocol now as well. So I, I, I'm not sure there's anything other than potentially C.J. Crone, and if there is anything there, I expect it would be announced in the near term. What do you guys do, Dave? You sit down with uh, Derek and Thad and, and Jim. I'm not even sure who it would all involve, Rocco. And you say, okay, here's what it looks like is out there. Let's come up with, with a budget of who we're going to pursue. How do those meetings go down? Well, I can assure you that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and their team have been looking at 2020 for you know um, several months. So that isn't work that starts at the end of the season. So, um yeah, there's certainly a lot of planning that goes into it. It involves a lot of input from the manager, the coaching staff, our pro scouting group, obviously our, our analytics group. Um, there, there is a presentation that takes place uh, in the next week or so to, to ownership, and it's, it's more uh, uh, designed to be informative. And uh, We never set a hard and fast payroll number, Mike. I don't think that's a good uh, – I don't think that's a good practice. Uh, if, if we had, I'm not sure we would have brought in Marwin Gonzalez last year. So because that pushed us beyond kind of where maybe we thought we would be, uh, we want to have that flexibility to be able to take advantage of uh, opportunities to get better. And uh, but we'll talk about a payroll range and 
more importantly, talk about opportunities on, on how we can improve the team. Think you lose your bench coach to Pittsburgh? Well, we talked about uh, that. So. Not, we we haven't yet, Sid, but but that's a possibility as Derek Shelton's expected to interview there in the days to come. Dave, appreciate it very much, and Sid's got one more thing for you. Okay, we'll get your murder certificate. <laughs> now I'm going to come over and visit you. Maybe you visit you next week. You've been warned. <laughs> I look forward to that, Sydney. You guys have a great Sunday. You Thank too. You. Thanks, That's Dave. St. Peter will be back with uh, Kirk Cousins right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, big Viking game today, Vikings versus Eagles. That'll be in a little less than two hours from right now. That game will be underway. Here in downtown Minneapolis, obviously a lot of focus on the Viking quarterback as there is week after week. Kirk Cousins, can he win the big games? I think this will be qualified as a big game, and Sid caught up with the Viking quarterback. Let's listen in. Well, for years, when you were Washington, you played the Eagles. What do you recall about that rivalry? Always great games. Um, the two teams are very close geographically to one another. It's a great environment in Philadelphia. Um, really good players, many of them who are still there. And um, those were hard-fought football games, and I expect Sunday's game to be no different. What is the scouting report on the Eagles? Well, it starts with their defensive coordinator, Coach Schwartz, who's now been there for several years and was a part of their Super Bowl team. I think he has a great scheme. They do a great job rushing the passer and stopping the run. I think their ability to do both has a, is a big reason why they've won so many football games. And then they have good players. Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher Cox are two names that come to mind right away. Um, they've drafted well and, and brought in good free agents. Um, so we have to be able to you know, establish the run the best we can and then convert third downs and avoid negative plays. And uh, I'm excited about the challenge they'll give us. What do you think of the quarterback? I think he's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Um, every time he's played, he's played at a very high level. So he'll, he's another big piece of uh, the game on Sunday. Think you found yourself again, see Giants? I hope so. I, I don't know. I think every week you you start from scratch and you know you uh, prepare and and put together your uh, plan and and every week is its own entity. So uh, you know, hopefully we can string a few together here. Taylor and Diggs seem to find themselves. Yeah, it was good to get them going. Um, still need more work, you know, still need to continue that and, and put together a few weeks in a row where they're really able to get going and, and uh, you know, make a big difference for our offense. Have you and your offense line grown together in five games so far? Well, we're, we've certainly learned more about what we do well and, and what we want to hang our hat on. Um, I think we're still a work in progress, and I don't think that ever ends. Um, but we have a good group, talented group, well coached, and I'd like to think that that's going to turn into, you know, a really strong offense as the year goes on. Are you feeling more pressure this year than other years? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think there's pressure every year. I think you you need to play well, regardless of the year or the expectations or the outside circumstances and um you know i always put high expectations on myself as well wanting to really um you know play at a high level every single week how does cook rape with the running backs you played with well he's he's got to be up there because of the production he's had alone 
this year. I've never played with a running back who's had as much success running the football and as many yards uh, as he's had. So that right there says it all. How does a good running game take the pressure of a quarterback? Well, it, it you know prevents you from having to drop back and allow the guys, you know, the Eagles want to rush the passer. And when you can run the football, you're not allowing them to do that. It gives you a favorable down and distances, manageable third downs usually. And um, you can control the clock and have more control over the game. So there's a lot of benefits to running well. How do you like working with a new quarterback coach? Oh, he's done a great job. It's been a lot of learning since I got here. Uh, he got here and, and we started working together in April. Um, just trying to get a feel for this system so that I can start to really own it and, and know it inside and out and know where all the bones are buried. And that's a work in progress. You know, it's still year one in this system for me. And so I'm, you know, enjoying the challenge every week of mastering it. And I look forward to, um, you know, continuing to put reps uh, behind me so that I can learn from it. You're much more settled than you were last year. You know, in some, in some ways, absolutely. Uh, I know specifically off the field, we're far more settled in terms of knowing our way around the city and the state and having our home and friends and a church and community. I think with, uh, you know, a lot of new offensive coaches and a new system, you know, that part has felt like, uh, you know, learning again. But change is inevitable, and you have to be ready to react no matter what comes. How much has the offense changed from last year? Um, I think the... At, the, at a high level, it hasn't changed as much as it may sound, but at the details, which is where the game is really won and lost, I think it's very different. And um, uh, it's the subtle pieces that I have to know inside and out that might be different from a previous year. Uh, and sometimes it all starts to run together, but route depths and uh, a few terms and a few adjustments on routes and audibles and checks, those can be different sometimes. How far can it seem go? Well, that's why you got to play these games. we got to find out. Uh, that's what's going to make this, this journey exciting the rest of the way. Thanks, Sid. Blessings to you. you got to go to Murray. I know. I Murray love that. Day. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we captured that, Murray's. I guess we don't have to say it now since we got that on the tape. And Kirk Cousins will be going to Murray's. Uh, Pretty uneventful week for Kirk, huh? President calls you after your big performance yeah, and your former teammate. by a former teammate, yeah. yeah. Sid, what do you think about today's game? Huh? Today's game. Who's going to win? I think the Vikings will win. I think they'll have to play one of their best performers. they got a great defensive line, and the Viking offensive line against their defensive line will be a real test. Mike, you were in New York last week. I, I was watching it on TV. Uh, I didn't think the Giants looked that good. I mean, was that because the Vikings looked so good? But you were there. Yeah, I don't think. Well, the Giants still had missed opportunities. Oh, I mean, they oh, had a couple yeah. guys open, one in the back of the end zone, Especially one down early. the sidelines yep. that would have changed that game. But it looks like they're committed to just letting Jones play. And and, and if he happens to beat you, he happens to beat you. But uh, the Vikings were able to do everything they want. Look <laughs> at that game. <laughs> they, they Defensively, they, they get a safety behind the line of scrimmage. Anthony Barr played great. Bailey's the special teams player of the week, and offensively they ran the ball. And I think this was all by – I think that this was the ultimate win-win. Diggs complains, gets the offense changed to throwing more. But they didn't have to feature him. They threw it to seven different – I think seven different guys caught balls. So he got what he wanted, and yet the coaches didn't have to give in 
and feature him, which they didn't want to do because then it would have looked like they were just playing to him. Pretty good outcome, all in all. We need to take a break here because P.J. Flex said he'd be ready at 10.30. we got about a couple minutes of spots here. Let's do that. Come back, talk Gopher football. Gophers have won eight in a row, 6-0 in the Big Ten. Bowl eligible, and Coach P.J. Fleck is coming up next. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, time to talk Gopher football. Gophers had a very, very nice win over Nebraska. Very balanced offense, good defense. Eight games in a row, a winning streak, 6-0 and in the Big Ten, bowl eligible. And joining us right now from his office at the campus of the University of Minnesota, head coach P.J. Fleck. Sidney? You, uh, you passed in that game yesterday less than you passed in, until the second half. Then you threw a few passes. Was that your strategy to run only? Well, a little bit, yeah. I mean, we saw the weather conditions, and, you know, we adapted to them based on what we felt we could do. We had to be able to run the football. We had to establish the ground game to open up the pass game last night, and I think both teams tried to do that as much as you possibly could. Some of the conditions that we were playing in weren't advantageous for, you know, throwing the ball 50 times, so we had to find a way to be able to run the ball. We thought our offensive line blocked really hard. All five guys working together, finishing blocks. The tight ends blocked hard. The wideouts on the outside made those six, seven-yard runs become, you know, 25-yard runs. And our backs just ran extremely hard. We had no turnovers, which was absolutely critical. And when we did have to throw the ball, we were effective with it. I thought the offensive line had a fantastic knee. They're getting better. You know, I think they're starting to play better together as a unit. You know, we missed Daniel Fowle lately with an injury, and he'll be back this week, which is good. But we need to be able to continue to rotate linemen in. I think, you know, John Michael Smith at center gives us uh, an element of toughness to that offensive line. And then Curtis Dunlap Jr., I thought, had played his best game yet, just how tough he was finishing blocks, how into the game he was, and working on all the small details. And I could say the same thing about everybody, from Blaze moving over to right tackle and doing what he did. Sam Schluter's just been Mr. Consistent. And then you look at the left guard, Connor Olson, I think had one of his better days as well. And We need our best players to play their best football in middle of October to late November. Uh, that's that, that span, and it's good to be able to see our team starting to play better football. And uh, that's what you want to see throughout a team, a team develop. Your quarterback, he's got to be as good as anyone in the Big Ten. Well, he's as good as Tanner Morgan's going to be today. And then tomorrow he's going to be better than Tanner Morgan was yesterday. And that's what he's going to continue to do. He's going to take it a one-day-at-a-time approach, one issue at a time, one solution at a time. That's the type of young man he is. He's a leader, he's a winner, and he's a tremendous human being and a wonderful representation of the University of Minnesota. Abraham, he hadn't played much until yesterday. Three touchdowns. What a day he had. Well, we really had our three backs healthy for the first time all year, really since the beginning of the year. It was nice to have those guys. You know, two of them got over 100 yards. Muhammad was right there. But, you know, Rodney and Shannon got the yards, and Muhammad got the touchdowns. And, and they they could care less who gets the yards or the touchdowns. Uh, everybody was rolling in. They were healthy when they were rolling in. It was really good to see those guys uh, take off like they did yesterday. So close to 700 yards of rushing over the last two games, and that's what it took to win those two games. That does not mean that that's what it's going to have to take to win every single game from here on out. We'd love to be able to run the football. we got great wideouts on the outside, but I think one thing that gets lost is the selflessness of our receivers. You know, Tyler Johnson had five catches for 109 yards, and that's lost in the shuffle. 
you know, Chris Albanbell only had one catch, and, and Rashad Babin had one catch. And those guys were the happiest guys in the locker room. They could care less they had to catch one catch. We won the game, and they blocked really well, and it took that to win the football game. And That's what's special about this team. BJ, you talked about, though, specifically with their weather coming up, about putting guys' hands in cold buckets and things like that during the week. Can you sh- And you even hinted that there might be a couple other things you'd reveal at the end of the week that you didn't want to reveal during the week. Can, can you tell us how you prepared that way? Well, it's really hard to prepare for a game like that, but we want to make sure that no stone's left unturned. And, you know, 78 on Tuesday, 78 on Wednesday. It was a nice day on Thursday. And then you got this, you know, wintry weather coming through on the weekend. So we turned our indoor down to 50 degrees, and then every player had to walk in. As they walked into practice in the indoor, they had to take a big bucket of ice and water and dump it on their heads. So they are immediately soaked in ice water. It's kind of a shocking feeling. And then, you know, we did everything we could to bring in wind, you know, opening the doors in certain ways that would bring in wind um, so they could feel that. And then also wide receivers, quarterbacks had to have their hands inside, you know, buckets of ice, running backs, which uh, ice water. And then what we did was to make it, we wanted to keep practice moving. So we had pitchers of water, too, that we had trainers running around to different players if they couldn't come out. They had to stay in the plays. They'd have to dunk their hand right in there, and the quarterback would be getting the play, holding his right hand into the water, looking to the sideline. And again, is that why we won? No, but it was a way that we could prepare. We didn't have any turnovers, and that's what our whole goal was offensively. And the ball's a program, and in those conditions, you've got to make sure that you have frozen footballs, which we did. We had wet, wet footballs, which we did, um, and you can't leave any stone unturned. And I thought that our preparation was tremendous. I thought Brady, our equipment manager, Mike Sipniak, our athletic trainer, did a great job of making sure everything, because um, it's hard to take care of 120 players like that and at the pace we practice and not miss a beat. But uh, I thought they did a great job of that. BJ, two-part question. First of all, uh, the crowd was phenomenal for you know 41,000 and a night like that and the noise that they made. And then secondly, you mentioned the tight end. I watched a bunch of replays because I didn't catch who threw the key block. And time and again, your tight ends were involved in, in blocking. But there was one play when you slipped a tight end out there. And you think Paulson, 40 years from tonight, is going to remember how open he was on that pass? Well, I don't think we stuck his hands in the ice water block. <laughs> 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 we missed on that one. Oh man! Uh, sometimes uh, when you're that open, it's really difficult to be able to bring that in. Uh, he did. Uh, he didn't make the play, but he did come back and respond, and that's what we wanted him to be able to see. You know, he was able to let it go, which was which was good to see. Very difficult to do, and uh, you know, our fans were tremendous last night, and I hope everybody's getting really excited about go for football, and and that's the the reason why we're here, and that's the reason why our players play so hard. And, um, you know, it's a wonderful environment. And anytime you're playing Nebraska at home like that, and, and you know, that was a mano-a-mano game. You know, nobody turned the ball over. It wasn't like somebody gave somebody the game. That was a mano-a-mano type game, and uh, we're glad we came out on the, the top end of it. Yesterday when the defense had to make a, a play, they didn't, didn't fail one the time. Well, I felt like our defense made a ton of plays. You know, Kamal Martin had 15 tackles. He was all everywhere all over the field. It's going to be very difficult for you to stop Nebraska in terms of explosive plays. They're very well coached. Coach Frost does a great job. They've got weapons everywhere, and every single one of their weapons are very explosive, whether it's the running backs, whether it's the wideouts or tight ends. So they, they're in the top 20 of explosive plays, and most of their, most of their um, touchdown scoring drives happen because of an explosive play. 
So we had to be able to handle the explosive plays, know that they were going to get some, one or two, and then we had to be able to stop them. Uh, not only just get the explosive play, but end it and make sure that we could get, get them off the field and get our offense back on the field. PJ, I remember watching Kamal Martin play in high school, and he was a quarterback, not unusual, at Burnsville High School there and did a lot of things as an athlete. How many times do you go out and look at a quarterback that you know will probably never play quarterback uh, in college? Well, it's harder and harder to tell a kid that he's not going to play quarterback in college when he's a quarterback in high school. I think those days are getting harder, to be honest with you. Um, to be able to just to project and tell a kid he's going to play another position because these days with quarterbacks being all shapes and sizes in the NFL, everybody wants to be the quarterback. But Kamal Martin, we do that a lot. Kamal Martin is an example. We have a few kids that are committed to us that do that, and we feel like they're going to play another position uh, at some point. And I think that's somewhat important. It takes a, somebody to have an open mind. But, I mean, he's a long athlete. And if you can have a long athlete that's tough, he can play football. You'll plug him in and put him somewhere. And eventually, I think every player wants to be able to be put in a position where they could play on Sundays. And I don't know how many people just want to play college football and you're telling them, hey, listen, you don't have a shot playing that position in the NFL. And they're like, oh, great, I want to stay at that one. They want to be able to maximize their talents as well, not only at this level, but hopefully at the next level as well. BJ, it's halfway through the season. I'm not sure it's time to give out a most improved award, but if it were, I would bring forth the name of uh, Sam Renner. Uh, it's just time and again, if he either made the tackle or made the, made the play, I thought he had an outstanding game. You know, Sam Renner is, I mean, he's a treasure. He's an unsung hero. You know, he's the guy that, you know, does a lot that usually nobody knows he's doing. Uh, and last night nobody knew what he was doing until he made all the plays, and usually he's not the one that gets to make the plays, but the linebackers get to make the plays, and he kind of gets to do the dirty work. But the great thing about him is, one, he's an unbelievable human being. Two, he's an unbelievable student. And three, he's a tremendous ass or a tremendous teammate. And when you put all those things together, he, he plays nose guard, he plays three technique, plays five technique, he makes everybody else around him better. You know, before the game, I've got my children, and we stay at a hotel you know, in Edina, and uh, before a game and and uh, you know i'm down there in the pool with my kids i got all four kids down there we're throwing the frisbee and the football and you know in the in the hotel pool and i kind of look to my left in the workout rooms right there and and walk sam renner he gets on the, the treadmill and then he gets on the elliptical and he's working out five hours prior to kickoff just his own mind he's got his headphones on and that's the type of kid he is and i'm sitting there looking at him and he's he's working out and I'm in the pool with my kids. So that's the type of kid he is. He's a tremendous human being, and, you know, he's, he earned that scholarship a few years back for sure. How much is your quarterback allowed to audible? Uh, well, it's not necessarily he has the freedom to audible to any play that he wants. Uh, we give him the ability sometimes in two plays within one play to be able to pick the one that he wants, but very rarely. Kirk Sharaka does a lot of that for him. But we have the confidence in him that if we do give him a two-part play, that he can, he can pick that one. Most of our plays have a decision to be made, and he has enough of that. Some of them have two to three plays built into one play, and then he just has to make the decision. You have Remember, I think Mike Leach said, you know, coaches give suggestions. You know, the quarterback's the one that actually has got to pick it. We give the suggestion. You're the one playing the game. Well, I'm not the one that has to play. So you're the one that sees it from your vantage point, and we do everything we can to train them through our vantage point. But it's pretty funny. I think Mike Leach said that, that all I do is give suggestions. The quarterback picks it, and that's he's kind of right. It's kind of how we all do it. Well, the fans should come out now and support this team. 
I can just picture what's going to happen when Penn State comes in here. They're going to have 60,000 people in that building. Don't get so far ahead of yourself now, Sid. Coaches don't like that. (laughs) Two more in between. Yeah, we'll end, we'll, we'll, end the, we'll end the interview now. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Viking hey, Gopher football is back again. And for being on this show, P.J. Flick, get your merge certificate. Thank you for being with us. Okay, P.J. Thanks think's out the door. There he goes. And Richard Patino will join us right after this break. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back. Going from talking about a very successful Gopher football team to a Gopher basketball team. We hope it was equally successful. Joining us right now, Coach Richard Patino. Richard, I'll start things out. Uh, you, you got a player. How much more bad luck can you have than Eric Curry has had in his career here at the Gophers? Yeah, you know, it's tough because um, you never want to talk about bad luck. You know, it's just part of sports, uh, unfortunately. But you feel for a guy like Eric, um, just what he's dealt with. I mean, you know, we're assuming kind of the worst. I know we don't want to sound negative with Eric, but uh, to deal with these type of injuries uh, where the injury season is so hard to deal with, but his attitude is great. Um, you know, so he'll get a second opinion here, um, I think, tomorrow, and uh, we'll kind of move on from there and see what the best plan is to get him back, get him healthy. Talk about the new players you got. Uh, how many have really impressed you? Well, we got seven new ones, um, and that's a lot, you know, and, and we're young, and, and there's times where we look really good in practice. There's other times where we're like, what are we doing right now? You know, we're kind of running into each other, trying to figure everything out. So it's a whole new, um, whole new team, but a fun team, you know, and a lot of freshmen and sophomores who I think are all grow and get better. We just got to be able to gel on the court and, you know, start playing some games and start to kind of hit some adversity because as a coach, you know, you're, you're – trying to create as much adversity as, adversity as possible in practice, but you really never know until it hits you. Uh, so I'm excited to see how they all go, you know, I'm, but, but they're all good. They all work hard. They're all versatile, which is exciting. Who, who would be penciled or at least who would you look at a candidate to take Curry's minutes? Who's stepping up right now that you think uh, can compliment Oturo down there? Yeah. You know, I mean, Daniel's playing well. Um, and Eric was a really, really good compliment to that. And, you know, last year we played a lot of high-low basketball, um, where this year will be a little bit different. Um, you know, so guys like, you know, if we have to go small, we'll play Michael Hurt there, uh, even look at maybe Isaiah Enan. Uh, and then obviously a, a natural one is Jarvis Amerso, who's playing really well. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, so it, it's everybody kind of has to move up a little bit, you know. I mean, it's just the, the unfortunate part of Eric. I mean, we're, we're kind of similar to – two years ago a little bit, um, and, and I know that sounds a little scary, but we got hit with the injury bug. But if we stay healthy and, um, you know, we stay fundamental throughout the course of the game, I think we should be fine. But we're, we're, we're definitely thin at the front court because of it. It's been uh, two years since we had Mason. You could count on a point guard. Uh, right now, what's your situation at starting point guard? Well, Marcus Carr um, is a really good point guard. He's tough. He's confident. Um you know, he's fearless. He can get to the basket. He's similar to Nate in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's he's, uh, he's a sophomore, but he doesn't play like a sophomore. So we've been playing him at the one and the two. Um, you know, B.J. Greenlee, the kid that we signed out of Gainesville, freshman, he's a tough kid. You know, he just finds a way to be productive, still learning the system, obviously. Uh, we can play Peyton Willis there as well. 
so my, my goal is always to ha- have guys that can play multiple positions, multiple spots, be able to kind of play on the ball, off the ball, and, and, and all those guys that they can do it. How do you feel about your schedule? Well, we play 10 non-conference games, and six of them are against high-major opponents. Um, you know, and, and so we're challenged. You know, I mean, we made that schedule with uh, thinking Amir would be back and Eric Curry be healthy, but you know what? I mean, it's still going to be uh, a great test for our guys. And the biggest thing, when, when you're trying to get to the NCAA tournament, you need to have high you know, quality wins. It used to be like get to 20 wins, doesn't really matter who you play because you're going to play 11, 12 non-conference games and you got your conference schedule. You get to 20 and you're fine. Well, that's changed. I mean, you know, not that we want this, but, you know, you could make the NCAA tournament for, you know, winning 18 games. Um, it's all about the equality of your wins. So all these opponents, whether it's DePaul, Clemson, Butler, Utah, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, um, all really, really good, challenging opponents for us. So we're excited about it. You know, Richard, you've talked about this at the Big Ten press conference, but this whole idea of uh, players getting endorsements and money would probably most uh, affect men's basketball and football if you look at, you know, where the money is and where they might want to. W- what's the upside of it and what's the downside of it? And, and is there any chance as we kind of, I know we're infancy stages trying to figure out what they're doing in California, but could one big donor come in and say, if he really wanted and say, hey, uh, I'll give you $5 million a year, you can divvy up, the players can divvy up, just put them on a billboard and, and that's my gift? Well, I think we got to figure it out. You know, I mean, I, I think that we're definitely 100% moving in that direction. Um, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, I think that, you know, certainly we've got to protect the amateur model. Um, but, you know, these guys have opportunities outside of what we give them, which we give them a lot, and it's improved, you know, so we can't forget that. But a guy like Zion Williamson, right, he, he's kind of the poster child for that name, image, and likeness. I mean, like, he, he, he's just too good of a brand for him to not be able to profit off of that. Um, what, what my biggest thing about being for it is I don't like seeing kids in college be in a rush to get to the G League. I don't like kids in college being in a rush to go overseas. Like, college basketball is a phenomenal experience, and these guys should be excited about playing in it. So if it's a couple extra thousand, you know, here or there versus going and sitting in the G League and hardly playing, uh, then I'm all for it. But the biggest thing we got to do is we got to figure it all out. You know, I mean, everybody's a little bit divided. Um, you've got politicians obviously involved in it. Um, you, you got to get the NCAA and the presidents and the athletic directors and all them to figure out what the model is. And it's probably- is that a salary cap, you think, or what? Well, I, I, that I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what, what it is. I mean, I think the biggest thing that all these ADs and presidents are trying to do, and rightfully so, is they're trying to, you know, they're trying to protect the amateur status. But I think profiting off of a jersey sale or, you know, maybe getting a deal or whatever, uh, you know, with a something in the town, I guess, uh, you know, I still don't think that that affects them being student athletes. So it's a slippery slope, I know, uh, but I'm all for it. I mean, we got to progress. You know, we can't be reactive. College basketball is a great, great sport, and, and we, we need to have kids that, you know, are not in a rush to, to be out of it. Richard, about two minutes ago, two-part question here. First of all, tell us how you're going to be from the three. We saw last year Calcher can shoot from the three. Uh, who else should we look for shooting from the three? And then on November 3rd, you've got a great event coming up. I've had the opportunity to be at the Coaches versus Cancer event. It's a really, really fun night at Interlock. And what can you tell us about that? 
yeah, I'm proud of it. You know, I mean, it, it, it's grown, it's built. Um, you know, the event gets better and better every single year. We've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, obviously, for the fight against cancer, which we've all unfortunately experienced at some point in our lives. Um, you know, so it's November 3rd. Uh, you can go to coachesversuscancerminnesota.org to buy tickets. Hopefully uh, it's open to anybody. You know, I mean, anybody can buy tickets. So if you have an opportunity to do it, please do it. And all the proceeds go to the Hope Lodge in Minnesota or, or to, uh, you know, Coaches versus Cancer and the American Cancer Society. Uh, it's a fun night. You get to meet our team. Um, it's a great program. It's not too long. Um, you know, it's it's some really cool auction items where you get some great access to our program. Uh, so please, please uh, go online and sign up. Um, you know, as for the three-point shooting, um, we were really not a good three-point shooting team last year. We had to adjust. We had to play a little bit differently. What we were really, really good at was we were really good at getting to the foul line, and we were really, really good at not fouling. Uh, so that's still going to be important for our offense, but you got guys now who are different than Dupree and Amir and Jordan Murphy. I mean, those guys are really, gotta, really gotta good. Got to jump in here. we got 10 seconds to go, and I'm sure Sid got to give you that Murray certificate. Oh, let's do it. Yeah, but... but no, I, no, I said we're out of time. We'll, just, we'll put one? you down for a Murray. We got the Murray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah, so I, much, I Richard. I in to get a Murray. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See Could you, you name one... No, we're done, Sid. We're we're done. He's gone. We're out of time here. All right. We'll be back at, uh, in about, uh, oh, seven, eight minutes to talk to Chris Wright about what's going on with the Minnesota Loons today. And then, of course, we'll all be over at that uh, football game, Vikings versus the Eagles at noon today. You're listening to Sports Level, Sid, Dave, and Mike. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.